Welcome to the We Are SE podcast. This is Eric McKinney, uh, joined by Daryl Rideau. And Daryl, I know we're usually talking Mondays after a game, but we've got, we've got one this week on Wednesday. Uh, USC on Wednesday. This is now 11 days after their regular season comes to a close with, with a win against UCLA. Certainly at any point in those 11 days, you thought news could come down about a coaching decision. It comes down today on Wednesday. Athletic Director Mike Bone, and, and I'm going to read his statement about retaining Clay Helton as head coach, and then I, I'm going to put this on a tee. You go ahead and, and jump in and, and give me your thoughts on it. So hit Mike, Mike Bone's statement. I am pleased to let you know, and, and this is in a tweet that, that he sent out, I'm pleased to let you know Coach Helton will continue to be our head coach. His commitment to our student-athletes and to leading with integrity is vital to restoring our championship program, which is the goal for all of our teams. Heading into 2020, Coach Helton and I will work together to take a hard look at all aspects of the football enterprise and will make the tough decisions necessary to compete at a championship level. Daryl, go ahead. You know, in all of my days, I, and I've been around the University of Southern California for the greater part of 20 years, two decades. In, in all of my experience around this university, I've never been more disappointed in how they continue to surprise me on how they deal with crucial topics. I use the tone oftentimes, Eric, when you and I are assessing a USC football game as it pertains to the leadership. Of, of Clay Helton, I use the term tone deaf. And there's a time when, as leadership of the university, you actually need to listen to your fan base, listen to members of the media who become an extension of the voice of your fan base. When you look around the Coliseum, not since the days of Paul Hackett that I played at USC, has the Coliseum felt so empty. And to, when there is thought and sentiment that this university deserves to go in a different direction and that the fan base lost its trust and confidence in its head coach's ability to make the necessary changes to get over the threshold, it, I'm baffled by how tone death management, I mean, um, the organization and the leadership of USC ignores these cries. But let's just say that, that the university truly believed in Clay Helton and that he was the right person for this job. And clearly by the very fact that they're endorsing him to come back to return for the 2020 football season would give you that, um, would imply that that's the type of sentiment and belief that as athletic director Mike Bone, Bone uh, has gotten a chance to know Clay Helton feels like he is the leader for this program, the leader of men, the men of Troy. Well, I'm here to say that if that was the sentiment and that was the case, Eric, why do you wait 11 days, allow this university to be a lame duck, allow for guys like myself, guys like you, others in the media to have to interpret mixed messages, mixed leads, um, emotional, non-factual, but nonetheless, un, unabated, unsolicited leads that are coming to us implying that this university was heading in a different direction. They didn't take the liberty to dispute those rather than reprimand 
those who were interpreting and decoding information that was being presented to them. So my frustration and my disappointment right now is in the fact that if you did believe and have conviction that Clay Helton was the man, uh, the head coach that's going to lead this uh, university into the 2020 season, then why not just stand behind him and endorse it and give Clay Helton and his staff an 11-day head start to put some of the negative propaganda behind them as they go out on a recruiting campaign? Leaving everybody in limbo for quite some time is very discerning, and it gives me the impression that although changes are being made at the top, there are still some systemic challenges that are presented to, uh, with this university, the University of Southern California, that will have to be addressed over time if they're going to control their own narrative moving forward. It, it, it's a bad look. It's a bad look to wait this long to have so many, and I don't, I don't necessarily blame the stories and the reports and that sort of stuff on USC or, or the people making the decision, but what happened in those 11 days from him beating UCLA and even in the, you know, we've, we've had three full days in between uh, Utah beating Colorado to finish off the, the Pac-12 South hopes for USC. I mean, what, what was going on? in those days that made you think, okay, he is, he is the right guy. And, and now <laughs> there's a, there's a report from uh, the LA times, Ryan Karchi, who who's talking to, to Mike bone. Um, and, and he said he never pursued any other candidates, just, just Clay Helton. So again, that it's one of those things wow. where the more they sort of explain this, the more questions that come up on how was this, a, how was it the decision, right? I mean, that, that's kind of the, the ultimate crux of this whole thing. How do right. you come to that decision? But also, what, what was the process you used? Who, who did you talk to that made you so comfortable thinking, yes, Clay Helton is the guy going forward? I mean, it, it just, again, for, for me what I take from this last year was you, he, he had a chance. He, he knew going into last season after a four win year, you knew, okay, this is it. And, and turns out it, it didn't actually end up being that, but at the time it felt like he had one chance to build, you know, the, the depth chart, the roster, the coaching staff, let's get this done. Yep. And Again, and, you know, it's, it's an eight-win season. That's fine. They lost games that they absolutely should maybe have won. They won games that maybe they should have lost. You, you look at that Arizona State game, and, yes, you know, that's so much of that, well, we finished the year with, with three wins in a row. I mean, you, you almost finished the year two and two. You know, it, yeah. it, there's, a, there's a pass interference call on a pick six. Um, there's a dropped pass by a, an Arizona State tight end that probably should have been a, a game-winning touchdown. I mean, that, that's, that's razor's edge from not having this three-game win streak at the end of the year and really kind of flushing all, all the goodwill that you had. So that, that, for me, is where it's interesting, where he stood there in spring ball and said, basically, I'm taking care of penalties and I'm taking care of turnovers. Now, right. You, you can kind of debate, was that even a smart decision? Can a head coach even have that much influence on two things that are that broad uh, in just one offseason? And turns out, 
you know, I, I guess we don't really have an answer, but certainly looking at the stats, no noticeable improvement in either one. Uh, in fact, I, th I think in penalties that, you know, yards per game, I think they were worse this year. So clearly failures on, on those two fronts. And then now you hear, you know, chances are that there's going to be a most likely, uh, you know, <laughs> let, me, let me catch this. Definitely kind of assistant coaching changes. Most likely that will include, you know, a defensive coordinator, a special teams coordinator. That means now if those things carry out, in two years, Clay Hilton's basically been forced to admit he made the wrong choice at offensive coordinator. He made the wrong choice at defensive coordinator. He made the wrong choice at special teams coordinator. Right. I don't know how many more choices a head coach gets when you're telling him in back-to-back -back years, you got to change all those guys. I mean, the, I, I kind of threw out the idea of like, at this point, if you're USC, it's like, I'll have a, you know, I, I really want a hamburger. But instead of a bun, put it in a, tor in a tortilla. Instead of a patty, chop it up. Instead of a full thing of lettuce, cut it up. And it's like, well, no would you just rather have a taco at this point? Like, st stop trying to, to make it something that it's not. You know, like it, it, feels like it feels like it was so easy to just change the biggest thing. And you didn't. And, and I don't want this to really just kind of devolve into – the two of us go, going back and forth, kind of ranting, but it absolutely, I think, should set up but, like but that. But it warrants. It, it warrants that. And here, here's right. the thing. I, I want to go back to the quote that you you made, um, as I guess Mike Boone was being um, interviewed by the LA Times. Uh, he he referenced that, and I'm paraphrasing, but he referenced that, you know, outside of Clay Helton, there was really no one else that he was truly evaluating. Okay, well, let, let's just kind of go back and focus on that comment. If such is the case, and you know that you're taking on a, a job at USC where your primary, your number one priority is to bring stability to the football game, the number one revenue maker generator um, throughout the sports program is football. It draws more eyes, more attention than anything else. We all know that, okay? But if you're telling me that there was no consideration given to anyone outside of Clay Helton, well, then I'm going to, then, then that lends the opportunity to dissect on what does that truly mean? Does that mean that economics truly did play a factor in whether or not uh, Mike Bone had the opportunity, athletic director Mike Bone truly had the opportunity to cast the net wider or greater than or beyond the thought and possibilities of bringing Clay Helton back? So I guess what I'm getting to is this. How much did economics play the factor of him having to evaluate Clay Helton only or solely versus having the money to buy out Clay Helton and attract a top tier coach that wasn't learning on the job or having to make mistakes 10 years in his coaching career? Okay, at US, his coaching tenure at USC, albeit not all 10 years were as a head coach. But this is a coach that's been around, body of work, sample size, feels large enough for us to understand and get a, 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 our pulse or have our pulse on the type of coach that he is. So if, if you didn't have the, if you're Mike Bone and you didn't have the opportunity, or if, if there was very little consideration given to any other candidates outside of reevaluating Clay Hilton, then that tells me that perhaps 
my perception of where this university is at the, at the University of Southern California financially versus where perhaps they may truly be are two different perspectives or the optics may be a little bit different than my perception of USC as a juggernaut, USC as a revenue generator. So I'm almost wondering if that did play a role. And this is a conversation or topic that we considered before the UCLA game. If Clay Helton was to be retained, is it more feasible for him to make wholesale changes to the rest of his staff to try to see if he can yield the same results as the offense gave you? Perhaps that's the direction that they elected to go for financial reasons. I don't know that for a fact. I don't have any, um, I've never seen USC's balance sheet. So I don't know if they're hemorrhaging or I don't know if, if the economics truly played a factor or if they truly felt like Clay Helton was the right candidate, the right coach to continue to lead this program into the future. Yeah, I, it, I, I understand Mike Bone just got to USC. And, and while he was at Cincinnati, I guarantee you that he wasn't watching day-to-day -day operations uh, of USC. But once he gets here, there is no way, if he looked at anybody, if he talked to anybody, if he did any kind of extensive research beyond Heritage Hall, if he talked to, you know, big-name former USC football players, or, again, the, the fan base, or anyone like that, there's no way he got a unanimous thought of, you have to keep Clay Helton. There, there's, just, there's just no way. And so at no that point, to, not, to admit now that you didn't actually even go look at another candidate is just, it's, that's mind-blowing to me. I, I can't, again, I, I understand there's things that happen uh, in the background and then you don't want to admit to them and, and you can kind of spin the truth a little bit, but that just feels, and, and then again, now, now he's kind of doubling down here with another quote to the time saying recruiting is going better than, you know, than anybody realizes. And it's just, it feels like you're doubling down on all this just to frustrate USC fans even more. And, and like I right. said, I don't want this to just kind of be, you know, a, a back and forth rant, but, but this was something where, again, because of the length, I think if, if they beat UCLA and it's like Notre Dame last year where Lince won it, to, to his credit in that situation, again, you can, you can certainly debate back and forth about was it the right decision, but he came out strong. I, I think it was the next day. He came out, had a statement, we're keeping him, this is the way we're going. To wait this long, then say you never really looked at anybody else, and then keep him, the, the whole thing feels a little like a slap in the face to, it does. to anybody it does. who is emotionally invested in this, which is every single USC fan out there uh, again whether you wanted to keep him or whether you didn't just kind of talking about the process in that way and and saying your only candidate for this job was the guy who already had the job I, I, I just I don't think that you can say that I, I think that you're kind of again it's a decision it's a right. big decision and it's new people making it at USC and it feels a whole lot like the decisions that we've come to expect from USC over the last 10 years. So, so if you're Clay Helton, and of, of course, you know, you're now looking towards bringing stability back to this program, albeit for another year or longer, 
he's still under contract. So let's assume that 2023. Yeah. Okay, no no contract extension, but he, his contract runs through 2023. Okay. So with that being said, he's had a full body of work a couple of weeks now in and out of recruiting um, the recruiting trails. If you're evaluating this program, it's clear that changes um, should be addressed or will be addressed uh, in particular reevaluating your defensive staff, um, reassessing special teams. If I'm a betting man, I don't, uh, maybe perhaps the attachment that he has on, on special teams with John Baxter, uh, maybe the experiment of diluting his attention from being a hundred percent focused on the, um, the special teams coordinator to uh, splitting time as a tight end coach was a little, uh, you know, a little being a little too optimistic. Um, I can almost see him perhaps bringing John Baxter back in that capacity because of the body of work over the course of the amount of years that he's been there. They have yielded greater years of success than what we've experienced last year. But when it comes to defensively, I don't know how you can spin or put lipstick on a pig. It just has been deplorable over the last few years. USC is dead or dead last in interceptions in the Pac-12. Doesn't produce a lot of pressure. Doesn't create the turnovers necessary to get off the field. And all that points back to Clancy. What happens there at the defensive coordinator position? Does Clancy, uh, you know, is he retained for another year? Or does Clay go in a different direction? Does he make the type of changes that were made on the offensive side and go outside of his you know, kind of family, so to speak, and bring in the right candidate that can help turn this program around. If you think about what LSU is doing, they invested a ton of resources into their defensive coordinator. And there are times where it may feel like they're still being carried by the offense, but when they need a stop to get off the field, you you have a lot more confidence that they're heading in the right direction versus the direction that USC is heading. Yeah, so Clay Helton, he he released a statement too after this went out from Mike Bone, and, and there are a couple really interesting lines for me. Just like we talked about when Mike Bone gave his initial uh, press conference, there were a couple pieces in there that that I, I think a lot of people kind of gravitated to. There's two lines in here in Clay Helton's statement for me that I find really interesting. The second sentence it is abundantly clear that we now have the support resources and tools to build a championship team. The fact that he says now makes me think that he's saying over the last couple of years, a championship team was not available to him, that, that he did not have all of those things. If that's the case, then you certainly would expect, you know, the fact that LSU can go out and put a couple million dollars into each uh, coordinator, an offensive coordinator and a right. defensive coordinator, is that something that, that USC does now? I mean, the, at offensive coordinator, you've got a ton of questions now. I mean, Graham Harrell was he, – he was one of the bright spots, at least for me, for this whole team. Reports now that he's already interviewed for the UNLV head coaching job and that he's a major target for Texas for their open offensive coordinator position. Does he stay? Is this where you have to replace – another offensive coordinator and bring in a new one in back-to-back years after he put in a, what what has to be a fairly unique offensive system for him. I mean, this was for clearly yeah. kind of his brainchild. Yes, it's an air raid, and yes, it's a tweak on what's out there, but 
it's clear that his system is different than the other air raids. If he goes, are, are you bringing in another offense coordinator? Is this something where Clay Helton, now he tries to step back in and, and serve a little bit as an offensive coordinator? You mentioned, you know, is, is Clancy Pendergast the answer there? Is he, is Helton allowed to keep him? At this point, if I'm Clay Helton, maybe you say, hey, the familiarity with a guy like Clancy and a, and a guy like Baxter, can they fire him now if he says, no, I'm, I'm bringing all my guys back? Clearly, they didn't, if they didn't go even look at another option, right. maybe it was never even a choice, a never, never even a chance that they were going to fire him. <laughs> maybe you could just you know, kind of call their bluff of forcing changes and just say, right. no, I'm you know, keeping my guys. I don't think that so, will so, happen. Yeah. Can he still be fired for grounds of change. – Change. Can he still be fired for grounds of insubordination if he I, doesn't make systemic wholesale changes? I mean, that that's kind of a, you know, a, a different talking point down the way. I, I think if we're talking realistically, I, I think, I think right along the same lines as you, I, I think that means yeah. a defensive coordinator change. And I think that actually maybe means a, a special teams coordinator change or, or certainly a change in the way they practice special teams. They practice special teams way too much. Uh, just full stop too much, but specifically way too much to then have those results. I get right. that you had a kickoff return for a touchdown this year. There was nothing else outside of that. You gave up way too many return yards. Yeah, even kind of punting was fine, you know, in terms of coverage and, and returns, that was fine. But yeah. again, the amount of time that you spend working on special teams you need a touchdown every game or every other game or some right. massive play, you know, that, that sort of stuff. That's kind of the, the output you're looking for when, again, it's that much time being put into it. I, I think certainly uh, a change to how that looks and maybe a change to the coach there. But again, now you're still talking about you make this decision to bring back Clay Helton and it just creates questions all over the place. You know, now you're kind of, Trying, trying to put your finger in the holes here to figure, you know, to stop all right. of these little leaks when it sure feels like you could have just rebuilt the wall with, with one move, you with know, one so, move. So yeah. that's it for me. I, I'm curious now, how do you kind of set your feet and start moving forward? Again, the, the idea in, in Clay Helton's statement here, we're putting the final touches on an outstanding recruiting class right now, USC ranks 67th in the nation with their recruiting class. They're ahead of Utah right. in the Pac-12. Utah only has eight commits, and somehow with their season is dead last in the Pac-12. I can't imagine, you know, that, that Utah fans are super excited about their recruiting class. But USC right now at 67, you almost, you know, trip getting out of bed and fall into a top 30, right. top 35 class. And, 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 and I guess that's, that's my question, Eric. Okay, so if you're Clay Hilton and you're saying you're, you know, you're kind of putting the final – a ribbon around a great recruiting class. How do you define great? Right. If we're going the unconventional way, forget great. He said outstanding or outstanding. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, outstanding, right? Okay. How do you judge outstanding if you're Clay Helton? Are you basing that primarily on three, four, five stars, um, athletes, best available, or are you basing it on your need? We know that there are some inefficiencies in on, on this team in returning. You know, you, you still need someone opposite of of, um, of Drake uh, who, who can produce pressure on the defensive line. 
and, and really get to the quarterback. You know, offensively, you need to shore up some things on the offensive line. And based on what I've been seeing over the last few weeks, there's been a heavy emphasis on alignment. So maybe you were thin last season, so you're overcompensating this season. But there's still so many other components to this game, to this team, that, that, that still needs to be addressed. So when, you say, when the term outstanding is used, I, I typically think of this. When, when you say you have an outstanding recruiting class, it's because you have freshmen uh, or potential incoming freshmen that can come in and make an immediate impact and improve your team in areas that it lacks. Can you honestly say what the, the, the commitments that, that, have, um, <clears throat> that have been acknowledged thus far, how many impact players are on the, uh, you know, or um, on this particular, or in this particular recruiting class that you see that can make a difference? I don't see one receiver being recruited or that has made a commitment that's going to come in and top the ones that are currently here. And since USC doesn't feature a fullback and virtually the, the tight end position ends, uh, should be on a milk carton for missing an action, I'm not certain that they have enough, you know, that there's so many holes on that side of the ball alone that what I'm seeing in this particular recruiting class is enough to justify the word outstanding. So again, uh, I'm trying to uh, avoid the disdain of, my emotions getting involved with Clay Helton returning because I actually thought that the right thing at the time was for him to come back. But I thought 11 days ago, you should have endorsed it. And Clay Helton should have been fighting to prove that he needs to make changes to his staff. And since he was still on the, uh, since he was still the head coach, he should have fired Clay, uh, Clancy to end the season. Much like some of the other programs did. They didn't waste any time. Rather, it was what we, we saw wholesale changes at Arizona State. We've Arizona seen State changes. A few, fired a few coaches. Yeah, Texas got rid of both their Texas. coordinators. That there were changes at a lot of programs. I mean, Washington. It took took Washington two minutes to announce, you know, that that Chris Peterson had stepped down and that Jimmy Lake was was the new head coach. But you move fast, you know. And so now, if you're Clay Helton, you know, how confident are you that you can go out and identify? It's still USC, and He's still going to get a ton of resumes, but does he clearly have a sense of what direction he wants to go from a defensive standpoint that can stop another air raid, uh, another version of an air raid, or this spread option? Do you have a sense of what you're looking for? Will you look from within and try to promote? There's a ton of questions, but at the moment, Clancy is still your defensive coordinator. So if he is truly going to make changes, then why don't you make the changes now? Just get and it over with. And, and with recruiting, it feels like this is not going to give them that shot in the arm. They'll, look, they're, they're going to get commitments from a few guys here before uh, this early signing period. It's, it's USC. They can put that together. That They absolutely – it, they're not going to get shut out between now and then. You mentioned there's a lot of offensive linemen committed in, the, in this class. You signed two last year and two the year before. These guys, no matter – I mean, if you sign all six of them that are committed right now, that's fine. How many of them are truly ready to compete as true freshmen? That, that's going to be, right. you know, a, a question that you've got to ask. You look at California right now, and again, uh, the, the number one prospect in California, linebacker Justin Flo, he's a guy with a big, splashy hire. You absolutely would have been able to get back in the race for him. I don't think USC gets back in the race for him. And now you're looking at him 
absolutely going out of state uh, if USC can't figure out some way to, to get in the mix there. If he goes out of state, you're talking about the top six guys in California, Justin Flo going out of state. Clemson is, is certainly a, a player for him at this point. Then you've got Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, LSU, Ohio State. Those are your top six players in the state of California this year. Two maybe generational quarterbacks in Bryce Young at modern day and Dave, right. DJ Uanalele at, at St. John Bosco. And I get you've got Keaton Slovis and, you know, maybe he scares away quarterbacks, but Alabama, if there are two generational quarterbacks in Alabama, Alabama is getting one of them, no matter what they're, no matter what it, it always feels that way. Right. Right. You, you know, and, and again, you talked about it. It's just because you leave a coach lame duck for 11 days and there's leaks and talks and sentiment uh, perhaps that uh, Clay Helton was uh, rubbing up on, or warming up on, on uh, the administration, in particular uh, the president and uh, new athletic director, Mike Bone. So if that was the case and you're leaning that way, again, a, a huge problem with not controlling the narrative enough and understanding its implication on negative recruiting or the impact that it would have by um, putting Clay Helton in a position where the first 15, 20 minutes of an in-home visit, he has to then justify, rationalize, and try to understand or try to convince those who he's in front of, in particular the parents and the players, that he is still the head coach and that until he's told otherwise, he's, you know, he's still there and, and their child should expect to see him on campus. You wait 11 days where we're virtually up against the first signing day, that margin for error has been greatly reduced. But with that being said, as we move ahead and we start to kind of, you know, the, 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 this, this whole thing coming up this week will start to shape or take shape and form as to the bowl games and how that matriculates down. And will USC take advantage or have enough to take advantage of, you know, that, that uh, that preparation time uh, to not only evaluate the players that they have um, on the staff now, but also make wholesale changes, have enough coaches to coach, depending on how many changes are made to special teams and defensive, uh, to the defensive roster, uh, personnel-wise. So there are a ton of questions leading into this weekend, and I almost get the sense that, you know, th this vehicle is still in neutral. Um, I don't see, at least there hasn't been any indication that, that there is some type of state of the union address where Clay Helton is going to lay out his plan of attack for the next few weeks. I almost get the sense that he just took a deep breath, exhaled, and is content with what just occurred. But if I'm Clay Helton, I take a different approach. I jump ahead of the narrative. I demonstrate to everyone around me, all naysayers, that I have a good sense of where my program needs to be. We've made tremendous strides. Now this is my plan of attack on how I'm moving forward. And right now we've casted a wide net and we are going to identify the best teachers out there and continue to bring them into this family. He should be saying something like that instead of a reprieve that he is being retained. 